0: Hello and welcome to episode 2B of Pluxcast. So we have just had our interview with Sebastian Rodriguez from European Campaign Playbook. You can listen to that in episode 2A. But he brought up so many good points and he brought up so much interesting concepts. Will social media decline in years to come? Will we see evolution of this kind of micro-targeting of adverts? So we are going to discuss this now, Patrick. What do you think? Is there a future for social media in the way we know it? I think there is. And I I think um, Sebastian was was right in that
1: some of the platforms are are starting to decline. But I think that's natural. We see people move from from one platform to the next when something new comes up. So, you know, a few years ago, we're all excited about Snapchat. And now people are looking at TikTok and, and following the content there. So... I think it's always going to be an evolution. I think platforms will, will come and go. And I think we as public affairs professionals need to be keeping our finger on the pulse of that so we know which platforms are relevant to our, our audiences. Uh, and I think that's what I took from our conversation with Sebastian was his, he constantly came back to this idea of knowing who your audience is. And I think that's, that's really key for for any advocacy work, but I think particularly for social media. So there's no point putting stuff on on, on LinkedIn if we're trying to get a uh, message across to, to young parliamentary assistants who may be on, on, on LinkedIn. But equally, if you do stuff on TikTok, it's not going to get to your elder statesmen in, in the European Parliament. So that focus on on audience, I think, was, was really key. Um, and I think the other th- interesting part that Sebastian was referring to was sort of digital tools beyond social media and we ran out a little bit of time to, to talk about that but I think there is an interesting role for using other digital tools whether that targeted advertising or online petitions to try and get more engagement around issues so yeah that's something I think that, that I thought was was interesting maybe we can have future discussions about.
0: So for us as people who go and a, a huge part of our job is to go to to policymakers and explain our message to them In a way, isn't social media just replicating a dynamic that we've seen before? Because in the past, politicians would pick up a newspaper every day between 7 and 8 in the morning. So if you wanted to influence them, lobbyists in the past would take out adverts in those newspapers. It is now the case that politicians will read the political playbook in the morning, or they will also spend 20 minutes going through their Twitter it's the same thing, it's just that the the precise forum for those interactions has shifted. And you mentioned also that, that kind of micro-targeting. I think that's so interesting, because we held an event last night, amazing event, Honda does the best event. But what Sebastian was saying was essentially, if you if you went to, to an event or something, uh, you would be able to be geolocated, people would know you were at that event and let's say it's an automotive event, you would therefore receive adverts, policy positions, whatever, that correlate with that interest. That's the future, isn't it? That's the future. But I,
1: when he was talking that through, I, I, I felt
0: a bit uncomfortable.
1: Maybe it's a generational thing. But I, I don't like this idea of being micro-targeted and tracked. And, and it, just, it just feels a bit big brother. So, you know, my new iPhone, I've turned off the, uh, or turned on the feature that stops stops ad tracking. So I'm not going to be subjected to that sort of thing. And I think in the work we do in, in in lobbying and government affairs, I think we just have to be cognizant of the sensitivities around things like like targeting and tracking. We've, we talked about this in the first episode of being transparent, being open, being sort of good faith actors in everything we do. And we've seen sometimes that the work lobbyists do is misrepresented and even having an Excel sheet with the names and positions of MEPs became a great, you know, a controversial issue. So I could imagine that there are some people in, in this town who, if they found out they were being micro-targeted or hyper-targeted using some of these digital tools, would feel very uncomfortable about that. So I, I think it's something we need to, to think through. I think there is a role for, for advertising and putting spend behind social media. But I'm also a strong believer in in getting clout and reach and and engagement through the content and the quality of of what we're doing and growing that that organically so I think there's a role for both but i'm I just feel a little bit sort of uneasy about this hyper hyper targeting and I think other people do which is why apple's built that feature into phones to turn off that ability
0: I suppose it's a question of if you have truly thought about transparency and how to make yourself accountable and above board, then this won't bother you, right? Because yes, there is clearly an ethical issue if someone attends your event and you're using that to micro-target them. That's an ethical issue. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It means that the end user must have the option of opting into that, right? If you're doing it without the consent of those people, that's bad. But if they think, okay, you know, you're representing this organization, I want to hear more from you, then that truly makes sense. And again, when, you, when you're when you talking about the funding of, of those social media campaigns, it's all about making sure that people know what's happened. I, I can't dream of a scenario where I would run a campaign or a report or anything like that if I had funded it without specifically stating that. What do you think? We have like this time where there's so many emerging technologies, so many emerging problems that come with that. But if you think about it, if you have those kind of morals locked in, are you safe? That's
1: a that's a good question. Um I, I think in everything we do we need to have those morals locked in and Um, whether it's doing social media or doing an event or doing face-to-face engagement or writing a position paper we've got to be to use the term sebastian used, good faith actors and and seem to be i think that that's so crucial and so important in in everything we do and i think that that brings a little bit towards the um, the content of what we're putting out as well so we talked a lot with sebastian about about targeting about some of sort of the the nuts and bolts of the underneath of the machine but uh, of course we didn't have time to talk about the right content on social media and what what works for for MEPs or, or the other audiences we're trying to, to target. And I think it's it's interesting to see the balance of, of, of how do you get something that works on social media. So you can't just simply put a link to a position paper on Twitter and hope that's going to do the job. You need something engaging, whether that's video or audio, to try and capture people's eyeballs and attention. Um, and if you get that content right, I think that's what gets you the engagement uh, with your content and, and builds those conversations rather than just... So if we go back, you know, if, if we did micro-targeting and we put spend behind an advert of something that was really boring, that wouldn't be the way to do it. I would rather we had really good engaging content that brought the stakeholders into, into a dialogue with us. And, and that would sort of capture people's imagination organically without having to do, you know, the very specific micro-targeting.
0: Yeah. And that depends, as I see it, that very much is, is platform-specific. I, I use TikTok, for example. You can follow me at EU. On TikTok, what is the strength of that medium? It's video messaging. So it has to have some sort of visual element to it. Um, it's also, I mean, the platform, you know, the average length of a video is maybe 10 seconds long. So there's a challenge there. I do a series called The EU in 60 Seconds, and I, I still think that's way too long. TikTok is uniquely suited for visual, short, punchy messaging, whereas Twitter, it's even shorter than punchier, it's in text form. So if you can't fit what you're saying on Twitter into 140 characters, well, good luck. The same with LinkedIn. LinkedIn is perhaps better for those kind of longer style essay sort of things. I see people sometimes, and what they do is they try to take one piece of content that they've designed for LinkedIn, and then they try to fit it into Twitter, and they try to fit it into uh, a visual platform. But that's just taking a square peg and like ramming at a at a round hole over and over again.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're right. So it comes back to audience, doesn't it? So you need to know why people are going to a specific platform and what they're expecting to see. So people go on TikTok because they want to see a short, entertaining video uh, and quickly sort of get some information and, and, and move along. Um, whereas on Twitter, people are going there more to sometimes express themselves or to have conversations and dialogues. So Twitter's set up in a bit more of a two-way forum. Um, LinkedIn is yeah, it's, it's a bit more professional. It's a bit more one way, um, but you need to, to take into account why are people on that platform? What is it they're looking to do and give them then content that's structured in a way to, to, to meet that, that, that
0: need. Definitely and I was just reflecting now on on the list of of platforms you mentioned I didn't mention Facebook at all and and re- okay we're two different generations but we did ha- we do both have Facebook accounts but I I wouldn't even use Facebook at all for for any lobbying purpose I use Instagram but not Facebook do you think there's a f-
1: Yeah the- and I I think you know um Facebook I think is one of those platforms that is is declining I think we we've, we've seen I think particularly younger people are moving away from Facebook. Um, And whether it's because of the usability of the tool or it's just been around too long or the types of people are on there or some of the issues that Facebook have had in terms of, you know, um, false content or or some of the discussions about micro-targeting and and some of the stuff that some political actors have done on there, I think it's it's lost its reputation a bit. So so like you, I have a Facebook account. I've got a Facebook account for the political work I do um but i don't use it as much as i would twitter or TikTok or other tools which are just more i think they're more immediate um you can do a TikTok video and it's done you can tweet in a few seconds and it's done whereas facebook is 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 i think i think also the the facebook algorithm is, is having issues because i go on there to see what my friends are doing and all i get is pushed a bunch of adverts and weird groups um so i i, I tune out Um, So I think, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening,
0: (laughs) we've got some notes for you. Absolutely. And if you want to come on the next episode of the the podcast, Zuck, you know, you just need to get in touch. But thinking of Facebook, and I'll I'll kind of circle back to the start here with regards to that kind of immediate future of social media. I'm super interested in the metaverse and that's really in its infancy stage. I think there could be a role for... Uh, influence uh, and, and the usage of social media for lobbying in the metaverse because we talk about this all the time i mean i think over the last three months we've had discussions about minecraft uh, uh, usage in lobbying uh, what else have we, what else are crazy ideas that we've come up with oh but there's
1: all sorts and i yeah, yeah the the, the... You know, I've, I've got visions of us, our avatars, sat in the metaverse with you know Nick Clegg and, and other political actors, and, and doing some lobbying and engagement. But there's things you could do um, using using virtual reality. So when we spoke last time, we talked about the importance of helping stakeholders understand how our products are used. Um, what manufacturing processes are like and often you know it's, it's not possible to to bring an MEP from Brussels to a factory or to get them in a in a in a car or on a bike but if you had the right virtual reality tools you could do a virtual tour of a factory or a virtual driving experience or or, or other products so I think you know there's there's room and space there for innovation I think the technology's still in its infancy we need to understand it but I think it, it would be quite exciting if, if we could bring that to 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 MEPs or other stakeholders and go right. we know you can't make it to the factory but if you put on these these goggles and you can have a tour, you can feel you can experience it and and
0: really absorb that. But, but not even just MEPs right, how many there are many of our colleagues who work in, in NGOs and they've never seen one of our factories and they never will in most likelihood it's a great tool or rather the future is emerging in such a way that it, it, it is giving all of us in public affairs a great deal of tools to work with to enhance our transparency. I mean, all of this is going in the public domain as well. Oh,
1: yeah. And I, I think it's, it, it just helps us be be open and, and engaged, being out there in, in the public domain. But I think it's also important to remember that um, it's not a silver bullet. So just because we are doing some social media, it doesn't mean we can give up on writing position papers and taking meetings with MEPs, I think it's a platform. So I see almost the role of social media as as, as a brand building thing. So it, it enables people to see who we are, to understand what we do, to understand some of the meta narratives. And I think Sebastian was talking about this in, in the interview we did with him. And then you use that then as a launchpad to go on with the more traditional government affairs activity. So taking a meeting with an MEP who might go, oh, I saw your tweet or your TikTok. That was really interesting let's talk about those issues a bit more or using it as a, you know, a reference point when we send written materials or emails or, or do events. So it's, it's an important tool. I think it's got a growing role to play, but I, it, it, you know, we can't just go purely digital. We think we need to keep on with the old fashioned going to meetings and seeing people and, and engaging in, in, in person. I think we've seen that also coming out of the pandemic where during the pandemic, we're doing everything online, engaging with people online, um, but it missed something. And now we're coming back to Brussels. We're doing rounds of meetings in person and it brings something back. So I think it, it's going to be growing in importance. We need to do more of it. We need to be engaged with it. I think there's a lot of exciting innovations we can do. But in the end, um, we've got to do the other stuff as well. So it's almost another tool in the arsenal, but, but it's not the only tool.
0: That's the correct conceptualization. It's a tool to achieve your, your, your end goals, but it's not an end goal in itself. And in just the same way that we can we can write a policy position paper, at some point we've got to go and take it to someone and explain it. And just in the same way we can make a social media post, we cannot assume that that is the you know, job done. I, I think it's also, this is a bugbear of mine, because I'm just thinking what you were saying about how MEPs might say, okay, I, I saw your post, I like that. Almost everybody I meet these days says, Connor, I love your TikToks, well done not many people are using TikTok, right? And so I say to them, oh, well, what did you like about it? And they go, oh, I don't know. I don't have TikTok. But uh, I like that you're doing it. And in a a way, it feels sometimes like I'm getting praised for just having done something a little bit outside of the box. And so you really must be open to, to some degree of creativity and seeing the tools where they exist and having the kind of, courage to use them and sometimes it won't work out or sometimes your boss is um perhaps has a, a different vision of you in the, in the usage of social media but in general i, I mean i mean i guess this is a, a plea to all communications people out there be more creative please be innovative
1: yeah and, and you know when we look at the brussels environment it's it's crying out for innovation and creativity and and Just doing comms right, the number of press releases we see in this place where, you know, Association X welcomes publication B. That's not news. That's not communications. Nobody cares. And I think the things you're doing with TikTok and and, and other stuff we're doing on on Twitter and and, and, and other channels, people do appreciate it because it is a bit fresh. It's a bit different. I think it's going to inspire other people to try try out something. So I think you know, let's let's blow our own horn a little bit as as um, you know world leaders in this this area. But um, at the event last night, people coming up to me and saying, oh, "It's really great that you're doing the podcast." I've always thought about doing something, but I didn't feel I could have the confidence to do it. Or yeah, we need to be doing more with video, or we need more events that aren't just filled with tedious speeches, but allow people a chance to. To network and, and I think there's room for that creativity and some people who are used to the normal way of doing things will, will see risk attached to that but I think the risks are minimal because I think you know we do it in in a, in a respectful and appropriate way but yeah it, it, I think it's time for change you know we've, we've had two too many decades of, of of Brussels business as usual, dry position papers and, and and boring press releases. Let's let's bring a bit of color and
0: life to things. Excellent, color and life and creativity. What a positive note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you.